Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Welcome to 2023 Prom Party. And somehow it is less cynical than the start of last year. (laughs) Oh, are you saying that this is less cynical than Not Another Teen Movie? Most things are. Which is ironic considering Not Another Teen Movie is like 90% the movie we're talking about today. Or just any other movie from 1999. That's a very good point. We are once again traveling to the golden year of 1999, this time... With American Pie. And I'm sure that you are all sitting there going, hey, um, rolling to give you a pass every once in a while for something like Scott Pilgrim, but this is pretty decidedly a teen boy movie. And the fact of the matter is, in 2023, every once in a while, you know, once in a blue moon, it's probably good for us to talk about like a decidedly impactful teen boy movie because those affect how boys treated girls or how... Girl media was treated, and uh, particularly for a landmark one like this, it shifted everything for a very long time. Absolutely. So obviously, we're still going to have our discussions on our Sadie Hawkins dance episodes on our Patreon, where we talk about decidedly boy movies. But there are some teen boy movies, like American Pie, that were so undeniably huge and shifted the pop culture world to the point where all of the teen media that followed, including teen girl media, were affected by it. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to talk about those changes and those cultural shifts without acknowledging where it came from. Because we've been talking about a lot of movies from 1999 over the last couple of years, but they have been teen girl movies. American Pie is what ends all of that. Uh Like, we've got plenty of theories that we've talked about. Yes, it was Columbine that changed everything in 1999. Yes, it was 9-11 that changed everything in 2001. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, the biggest thing that influenced the shift of teen girl cinema in 1999 was the success of American Pie. And what a success it was. Dear fucking God. So we're going to be talking about American Pie, but this is also just us letting you know that we are going to be expanding our spectrum of what is classified as a teen girl movie for this podcast. We're going to get a little flexible in terms of coming of age stories that may include people that are, you know, out of high school, because as society has progressed in our conversations surrounding coming of age, stories have also evolved. 
the age gap widened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that that's an important thing to to include. Um, so not only is that going to be changing, but also, you know, we, we can't control what movies impacted us. We can't control which movies affected us. So if we have a guest we really want and they want to talk about a movie that might lean more towards the boy territory, but it was really influential to them, we want them to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And we have done that numerous times. Honestly, we just keep doing very uh, boy-centric films for me for my birthday every year. So mm-hmm. this really isn't anything new. We're just actually acknowledging it now. <laughs> right, exactly. So you're not going to have to listen to us give defenses on like why we are including this movie. Just know that it, it's our show. We're just, we're just here to have fun and do what we want to do. I think that it also just is like not just half the discussion then. Especially after we did Scott Pilgrim last week and you and I had that sort of conversation about how that film affected us where I grew up on the boy half of how that film was and you, you know, obviously didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I think that there's there, there's a very whole conversation that can come by opening it up just a little bit. I think so too. Just, just a skosh. I, I agree. I think so too. And we are kicking all of that off with American Pie. Harmony, what was your introduction to this movie? So I had to do some math and some digging and try and figure it out. Um, I absolutely saw it before American Wedding came out. So like 2002-ish? Okay, so possibly like 11, 12? Maybe a little younger. Okay, like 10, 11. 10, 11. Um, I saw it across the street at this one kid's house who, um, I think I've talked about his house that was just anarchy and there was smoking and piss everywhere and we <laughs> yeah. were allowed to just rent movies there that were r-rated and nobody gave a fuck so that's where i saw a lot of things like the blair witch project and silence of the lambs at like nine <laughs> and also gross out teen boy movies like american pie gotcha i also saw american pie around being 10 i was nine because <laughs> mm-hmm. i watched it in 1999 and uh, let me just lay this groundwork for you American Pie is how I ushered in the year 2000 because Uh, my parents and my aunts, they had all rented it or bought it. I don't know. Somebody might have been gifted it for Christmas. I don't remember. But that's what we were watching on New Year's Eve. Like (laughs) Y2K, everyone's freaking out and we're watching American Pie. And I remember being yelled at because I wanted to watch it. And my parents were very much like, yeah, you can watch whatever. They didn't give a fuck. My little sister was not the case. Like, I know I've talked about on the show how my parents let me watch everything. Mm -hmm. That was not a a rule that was shared between my sister and I because my sister was a lot more sensitive. No wonder she was bitter. (laughs) You were absolutely the favorite. (laughs) But, like, she she was a little bit more sensitive. She's the kid who would have nightmares. She's the kid who would have problems with more mature material. I mean, this movie would give a lot of people nightmares. Very good point. So (laughs) it wasn't an instance of, like, oh, they were picking favorites it was an instance of my parents know their kids and they know what their kids can handle and they knew I could handle it and it'd be fine so I was trying to like sneak in to watch the movie and then my sister would be like I want to watch it it sounds funny everyone's laughing and my parents were like no so then it turned into a thing where it's like you need to like get her into the other room and get her to go to sleep and then you can come in here and watch this and that's what I did. You have to just sequester the child away? Pretty much. Like, it's so funny that you're like, yeah, I ushered in the new year laughing with my family and I ushered it in in a basement by myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
everyone was at like my aunt Sharon's house for New Year's and they're upstairs drinking and I'm playing Pokemon on the couch in the basement. And then eventually my mom comes downstairs and goes, hey, it's Happy Millennium. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> Didn't realize. We had very different upbringings. I, I know. <laughs> So, yeah, it was admittedly very weird to watch this movie with my parents uh, for the obvious reasons of there's a lot of sex and watching sexy stuff with your parents is weird. Uh, But also, I'm nine, but uh, I was a very mature nine-year-old, both mentally and I already had my fucking period at this point. You precocious little scamp. Yeah, so like I had all the sex talks. I had all this stuff already. I Like none of this was new to me. Like so when the opening scene happens and he has a sock on his junk, I'm like, yeah, he's jerking off. Like I'm not stupid. I know what he's doing. Um, so none of it was lost on me. Obviously, as an adult, I can unpack the layers of things a lot better. Mm-hmm. But even as a nine-year-old, I, I got it. Okay. I know what we're doing here. See, that's so funny to me because I actually, I said this to BJ when we were watching it, but there's the scene where Kevin is doing the tongue tornado on Tara Reed's character. Mm-hmm. And uh, her, the joke is that like dad comes to get her for dinner and she goes, I'm coming. <laughs> and I absolutely did not get that joke the first time. Oh, that is I a cum this. joke? Yeah, it's an cum- orgasm it, joke. Yes, BJ, it is an <laughs> orgasm joke. Thank you. Wow, congrats. I... <laughs> Did not know what coming was at like 10. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Of course you did. (laughs) So if somehow American Pie has escaped you, good news. The premise is very simple. Four teenage boys enter a pack to lose their virginity by prom night. The end. That's the movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's... The thing is, there's really not much more to this movie than that, especially because it's... Really only known for like two scenes. Those are the only things mm-hmm. people remember for this movie. It's very true. And it's, I would say maybe three, but it's still, this is a movie defined by its set pieces. Mm-hmm. But before we dive into this any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Welcome to the morning announcements. As a reminder, you can support the show on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. Over at our Patreon, we offer things like our schedule ahead of time, wonderful playlists curated by Harmony, our Sadie Hawkins dance episodes focusing on teen boy movies, and we are currently going through our TV homecoming series through Pen15. We offer a free bonus episode every month for our subscribers at only $1. If now is not the right time to support financially, we totally understand. All we ask is that if you love the show, you send us to a friend, you give us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcasts, and you tag us on social media, hashtag thisendsatprom or at thisendsatprom. Alrighty, so we talk about 1999 a lot on this show because it is just... Like, I feel like every time we say 1999, like, the sky should open up and a chorus of angels sings. <laughs> Let's let's just do that. 1999. That was nice. Thank you for doing that in the edit. I appreciate you. you. You're welcome. I'm, I had a say in that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious if you have any context to bring to the table that might be different for this movie compared to, say, like, 
I don't know, never been kissed, cruel intention, she's all that, 10 things I hate about yes. Joe, the, the, the whole gamut. The, the laundry list, as it were. Yes. Um, so because 1999 is the year that it is, um, this is the 10th film that we have covered on the main show. Unbelievable. Not counting Detroit Rock City and Idle Hands on the Patreon. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, so if you want a refresher on those, just the films that were released that we've covered Include 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That, But I'm a Cheerleader, Go, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Never Been Kissed, Cruel Intentions, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, and Election. Jesus. And <laughs> and we still have more. Yeah, there the, are more to come. There are some still some big ones that we're missing. It's I know. Everyone is always like, how come you haven't done this? Because we don't want to run out. <laughs> eventually we will, but like, there's still like a good fistful more. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you really would like to have an additional context for this. American Pie made so much money, it grossed uh, about $235 million just at the box office. (laughs) Absolutely disgusting, because that doesn't include home video rentals, which I know were a lot. Yes. So if you were like, say me, or you, and you were not old enough to see a rated R movie in theaters, you probably saw it in a rental. And so accounting for that, this movie absolutely made more money than... All of the other films that we've covered from this year together. Which is so gross. Not even (laughs) counting home video rental. It made more than seven out of nine of them combined. (laughs) Just unbelievable. So, Like, it's one of those things where I know that I'm saying unbelievable, like, over and over again. It's staggering. I just can't wrap my head around it, especially after rewatching it and being like... Yeah, that's it. That's it? Yeah. Okay. We were sold on the the, the dreams of... Shannon Elizabeth, and that's probably it, honestly. So if you really want to look at this in like a bigger spectrum other than it made a lot of money, uh, I was doing some some research, trying to figure out what the 90s teen sex comedy looked like before American Pie in the ass end of this decade. Because obviously, the sex comedy did very well for itself, at least in like video rentals throughout the whole 80s. But it kind of went away once we got a little more um, cynical, <laughs> I guess, in the 90s. We, we <laughs> demand- it nicely. We demanded more. And I looked at a large number of releases. I looked at numerous lists. And I found, like, two teen-ish sex comedies that were released earlier in the decade. And that includes Swingers and Chasing Amy. Which, again, Ish is doing a lot of work there. Yeah, but that's it. Like, the sex comedy would come back very, very, very strongly in the 2000s, particularly for teen boys. And it starts here because this movie cost practically nothing and had a huge return. Uh, Just looking at the following year, you got films like Road Trip and Dude, Where's My Car? And I don't think that either of those would have made 70 and 100 plus million dollars without the strength of American Pie. No way in hell. Mm -hmm. That, oh my God, that's so much money. And especially when you look at the movies that are coming out today where you have these massive, massive movies that are bringing home like, like Babylon just did like like $5 million over Mm -hmm. a weekend. And to think that a movie like Dude, Where's My Car Made a hundred million dollars. Made a hundred million dollars uh-huh. is sick to me. <laughs> like, and like, I want every movie to be successful. I really genuinely do. But like, that is proof enough of how dramatically the theatrical experience and streaming has just fundamentally changed the way that we consume movies. Because, I'm sorry, a hundred million dollars? I'm just asking questions, man. Dude, where's my car? Who let the dogs out? Just asking questions. 
Get big out money, of here. Big returns. Get out of here. <laughs> Ugh. So I want to throw a little context as well. And this is from an Atlantic piece called Was American Pie More Influential Than Titanic? And uh, when you hear that sentence, that sounds like crazy talk. But when you break it down, it makes a lot of sense and it makes my skin itch a little bit. Okay. In the late 90s, a screenplay made the studio rounds bearing the unwieldy title Untitled Teenage Sex Comedy That Can Be Made for Under 10 Million That Most Readers Will Probably Hate But I Think You Will Love. Bold. Very, 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 very bold. Uh, the script sold Adam Herz's modest little homage to the movies of his youth and to youth itself ended up grossing nearly a quarter of a billion dollars worldwide, spawned three theatrical sequels, four straight-to-video sequels, and provided the primary source of income for comic actor Eugene Levy for the past 13 years. <laughs> and that, again, makes my stomach turn into knots to think about how much money <laughs> this movie made. And uh, of course, you're absolutely right. The success of American Pie then had every studio chasing that high. And that's why we got Road Trip. That's why we got Dude, Where's My Car? Because American Pie proved you can make money with sex comedies. And the success of all of these early aughts sex comedies led into like the Apatow Rogan resurgence where we started getting like the super bad stepbrothers sort of I mean, knocked up world. Even stuff with Will Ferrell because he's a man child. Mm -hmm. it, it all it all tracks. Yeah, it, it, it does. But it all starts with American Pie. Like an entire decade of film completely changed because of one movie. Mm -hmm. And something else that you'll notice is the teen girl movie dies. It dies. It sinks like the Titanic. It would sinks you say? like the fucking <laughs> Titanic. Because all of those movies that you cited earlier of the movies we've talked about in 1999, they're all girl movies, like hardcore girl movies. And they don't make nearly the money that American Pie does. Oh, some of them lose money and like gross like $2 million in a couple cases. Mm-hmm. Like Drop Dead Gorgeous, one uh -huh. of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Bombed hard. And I'm very aware of that. So those movies don't perform at the same level as American Pie. So what do studios do? They invest more money into making more movies like American Pie. Mm -hmm. And it's part of a really insidious problem in Hollywood that we unfortunately are still dealing with, which is the idea that girls will see movies that star or feature boys, but boys will not do the same for girls. And the unfortunate reality is that that has been kind of proven time and time again. Mm -hmm. But this is a symptom of a larger problem, which is that studios are under the impression that girls will see things if they star or feature boys, but boys will not do the same for girls. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there's a little nugget of truth to that. Absolutely, there are some boys out there who wouldn't be caught dead watching Powerpuff Girls, and there are plenty of girls who would watch Transformers, like for sure. I get that. But I also think that there is a very important factor that is not included in that discussion, especially when we're talking about media that is meant for younger audiences. And it's that adults will see movies about teen boys they will not see movies about teen girls. And that's regardless of gender. I think it was a lot more prevalent 20-some years ago. Agreed. 
dads and their bros and their bowling leagues or whatever, they would go to the theater and see a movie like American Pie. I heard it was funny. I heard this was funny. Let's go. We should go check it out. I heard it's real funny. They'll do that shit. But even moms will not go see teen girl movies unless they absolutely have to. And before anyone brings up Twilight, that's we're eight years away. That's a that's a while. That's that's an an entirely different case. But like I had to drag my own mom to take me to go see Mean Girls. She wasn't going to go see Cruel Intentions in the theater with her and her friends. That's not what they're going to do. Because teen girl movies are also not chick flicks. Like, that is, like, there's two different dynamics at play here. Chick flicks, those are mom movies. They're going to go see Sleepless in Seattle and You Got Mail, and they're going to have a great time. Are they going to go see Never Been Kissed? Are they going to go see She's All That? Probably not. That's a different type of movie. They might see 13 going on 30. They might see 13 going on 30. You are correct. But you get a bunch of middle-aged men, they'll go see American Pie. They have no problem seeing American Pie. Because I mean, it's a rated R movie. It's a rated R movie. Most teens can't get in the theater. Yeah. Most teens can't get it into theaters because like, that's the other thing. This is a rated R movie. For it to have made that much money, adults had to go see it. Well, yeah. like That's that's a thing that like it cannot be understated that a rated R comedy like this does not make that much money during this time. Like, that doesn't happen that often. No, and it, this is so clearly that intersection of, like, teenagers wanting to see this because it's raunchy, adults wanting to see it because it reminds them of the raunchy films that they grew up with, mm-hmm. and then also the titillating promise of a nude Shannon Elizabeth or, like, Stifler's mom, we love you, Jennifer Coolidge. Like... Haha, he puts his dick in a pie. He puts his dick in his pie. Huh? Hilarious. Remember, you remember, you remember Ted when we were kids? You remember what you used to put yours in? You put sponges in a Pringles can. Like. That's very specific. <laughs> there's a lot of memes on the internet about how men make their own fleshlights <laughs> using. <I'm> sure. <laughs> sponges, Pringles cans, and I think latex gloves. I don't know. I don't, I don't look that much into make, it. Make I just that, know that visual. It's that burned into my eyes. pocket pussy. Yes. <laughs> so. So, like, they would come out and they would see a film like American Pie, but that doesn't happen for teen girl movies. And of course, of course, of course, there are always outliers, but the numbers don't lie. Like, the box office numbers don't lie. We cannot refute those. That is undeniable proof. And that's what's really fucking sad, in my opinion. Because obviously, the payday that they're getting from a movie like American Pie is huge. Like, it's making so, 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 so much money. But that doesn't mean that you need to stop making teen girl movies because a lot of them did make money. Sure, they're not bringing home hundreds of millions the way American Pie did, but you're not losing money and those stories are important. But of course, capitalism is a hellscape. But So why would I make $5 million on five different movies when I can make $100 million off of one movie? Mm-hmm. And like, I get it. It's a business. I do. I understand it. But also it's bullshit. And like... <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs> well, I, I think it's worth noting that this year is really the last time that you see a banner year like this outside of, like, the franchise years. You know, the the, the the Harry Potter, Twilight, Hunger Games years. And that means in the aughts you will have, like, significant teen girl releases. You know, one or two a year. <laughs> but it does not have... As many as you had in like the 80s or in the late 90s. That's that's not a thing. And even if you want to point to Twilight or Hunger Games later on, that's only because Harry Potter kicked down the door. That, that That's a boy-led franchise mm-hmm. that had crossover appeal. And that's the only reason that those films got greenlit. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And even with the gigantic success of the Twilight book series, that wasn't enough. Like they expected that movie to fail when they greenlit it and were shocked when it performed well, even though they had so much data to prove that it was going to do well. And they Mm -hmm. just didn't listen. They just don't fucking listen. Um, So, yeah. American Pie kind of crushed everything. And yes, like you can look at things like Not Another Teen Movie, which mocks the hell out of it the following year and kind of helped, you know, put the nail in the coffin on the teen movie genre, so to speak. But it does start with American Pie. Like American Pie really did fuck everything up moving forward for teen girls. That said, as much as it fucked a lot of things up, this movie tries a whole lot harder than a lot of its contemporaries do in the following half decade. Okay, so here's here's the thing, and here's why this is like such a hard movie to talk about. I obviously haven't watched American Pie in many, many years. Oh no, not since I was an actual teenager. Yeah, no. And the moments are stuck in my head. Like, I know the Stifler's mom stuff. I know the MILF jokes. I know what happens with Shannon Elizabeth. I know about the laxative cappuccino. I know... One time a band came, I shoved a flute in my pussy. Like, I know. It all comes flooding back. I know everything that happens in this movie. So I was afraid going into the rewatch that it was going to be another example of Revenge of the Nerds, where the movie is way worse than I remember. Mm -hmm. The opposite was true for American Pie. I was kind of shocked at how tame this movie was. Yeah, so this is 1999. This is around the time when South Park is one of the most popular shows on cable. Oh, yeah. And last year we did an entire rewatch of it, and most of it holds up pretty well. Um, But those first three seasons, as charming as they are and as controversial as they were, they're like nothing. They're borderline vanilla in how absurd and goofy they are, but like yeah. they're not that intense. They're mm-hmm. not that provocative. Mm-mm. This movie kind of isn't either. It's got like its moments, like the pie and Shannon Elizabeth scene, which, but it's like it has these WrestleMania moments, and those are the things you remember forever. You don't remember the fact that this actually has some sentimentality toward, or or at least it tries to. Mm-hmm. So it it lives and dies by the moments. It's just those things that'll stick in your mind that you will never forget. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of it. And I think that that sort of formula we would see moving forward with stuff like the Hangover movies. Oh, I think yeah. the Hangover movies are the same way where they're built around these like big set pieces and everything in the middle is kind of a wash. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but, uh, the irony of not remembering large Chuck sections of The Hangover. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but you kind of get the same thing with American Pie. And what was also shocking in like a very weird way is you can see that they were trying to not be as bad as the sex comedies that clearly inspired them. Because American Pie is very much birthed from the ashes of Revenge of the Nerds of Last American Virgin, these types of films, mm-hmm. totally. But it's trying to not be as bad by inventing new ways to be bad, if that makes sense. I I think the new ways that it invents to be bad would be that, like, it's okay to show something bad as long as you make fun of someone else lower on the pecking order. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we can make fun of Jim as long as we end up having Sherman piss his pants. Right. Like, hey, we can show 
Nadia's naked body and her masturbating to the whole of the internet, including Blink-182, but it's okay because Jim's going to preem in his pants twice. <laughs> One good use of preem. Yeah. Uh, haven't heard preem in a very long time. <laughs> You're welcome. But like, it's, it's okay to do it because like, yeah, okay, so sure, we accidentally broadcast her naked body to the entire internet, but like, look at Jim. He's embarrassing himself. He got it yeah. worse. So like that's that's so much of what's happening in this movie. That scene is so clearly the peeping Tom scene in Porky's. Like this is the Y2K version of the snooping in on gym class scene of Porky's because now it's got the internet, but oh no, it's broadcast to everyone. Instead of addressing all of the the fucked up consent issues to any of this. Um, I mean, you could also say that it's the revenge of the nerds installing cameras in the sorority house or the selling their nudes at the at the bake sale. Uh, Where like the the, the the to different degrees, like the guys in Parkies get their comeuppance to an extent. Mm-hmm. But it's following that formula and trying to sort of both sides it, where it's like, yeah. yeah, well, these guys are losers. Look at them. They're virgins. They're losers. They're dorks. But you want to see them triumph, but you also want to see them get made fun of along the way. And it's both sizing it in this really weird way that I don't... Yeah, it's super weird. It, it's, it's like... It's trying something. Yeah. And I think that in a weird way, this feels... Very much like the same sort of energy that we talked about last week with Scott Pilgrim with the idea of like, oh, equal rights, equal fights. Like, I'm such a feminist that it's cool if I punch women. Mm -hmm. Like that backwards ass way of thinking. It's like, yeah, it's it's a bad thing that he broadcast Shannon Elizabeth naked to the whole internet. But he got his comeuppance because he came twice in his pants. Like a, like a monkey's paw. Yeah. A, a sexy, sexless monkey's paw. Yeah. This is Hustler, and this is a much more exotic magazine. Now, they have decided to focus more on the uh, pubic uh, region, right. uh, the whole groin area. Uh -huh. Look at the expression on her face. You see that? See what she's doing? She's kind of looking right into your eyes, saying, Hey, big boy. Hey, how you doing? You see? Right. Shaved is a magazine I'm not too familiar with, but again, uh, if you flip to the center <clears throat> section, well, you see the detail that uh, that they go into in this picture mm -hmm. here. It, yeah. it almost looks like a, a tropical plant or some underwater yeah. thing. Do you yes. know what a clitoris is? Oh, my God. Well, yes, I, mean, don't I know say, what oh, a clitoris is. Oh, you do? Is. Oh, yes. I see. Yes, you do. I forgot you've been there and back. Well, I, I, you know I've everything. learned about you know, it I'm in sex and, you know, I really painless. don't need you to sit here and talk can, to me Jim, about this a clitoris. Is, this is you know, not, you know, know what? I, I'm, I'm sorry. Course, okay, yes. I'm sorry. Okay. I, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have got hot there. So I don't want to do like a character breakdown because quite honestly, there's not much to any of them. No, before we sat down to record, you were like, no, like the men, I don't, they're all like really one note. I think the women are way more compelling. And I just went, BJ, don't lie to yourself. The women are just as one note as the guys are in this movie. Look, I'm really trying to give this movie the benefit of the doubt because it's so clear that they were trying, but they failed miserably. And the fallout of this movie's success makes me very angry. So it's really hard for me to have like a nuanced approach to this movie. No, I get it. Um, I think this is one of those paper thin scripts. Like if I were to have the script for American Pie in front of me, it probably would not have a ton of 
direction or a ton of things outside of like the actual scenarios and the, the, the dialogue in a really literal sense. I feel like most of the character that you're getting is purely from the performances of the people that are in this movie, which rightfully so. Um, this is the defining role for a lot of the people in this film. Like, especially the guys, mm -hmm. sans Eugene Levy, who, you know, maybe has broken that curse with Schitt's Creek or if you're, Thank of, a, God. Or if you're of a certain vintage, then, you know, his, his mockumentary work prior. Mm -hmm. But every single guy in this is kind of haunted by this role. Like, that's a joke in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back about how Jason Big is like, it always comes back to the fucking pie. No, not, hey, I loved you in Loser. There's a joke. In Orange is the New Black, where Piper tells, I don't remember Jason Biggs' character's name, about her going to prison and here's what happened. And he's like, I can't believe you hid this from me. I told you everything. Like that embarrassing webcam incident. And it's like a throwaway line, but it's like, ha, 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 American Pie reference. 20 years later? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just certain people, like Natasha Leone escaped this. Which, yes, because she's so not this character. Honestly, she kind of is this character, though. This is the first time I think that I get to see Natasha Leone doing what she's best known for. Uh, this year, she does Detroit Rock City, where she's a high femme disco queen, and but I'm a cheerleader. She's the all-American girl. This is the correct breakout thing for her, I think. That's true. She's just not going as far as what I'm used to with her. But no, you're absolutely right. This is her, like, being a little bit petty and being kind of the 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 worldly girl who's already had sex and, you know, she's been around the block a few times so she can teach you a thing or two, kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. She's cool, but, like, she's kind of slick. She's, mm -hmm. she's, she's got the attitude of, like, hey, kid, you want some cigarettes? <laughs> like, she's got that energy about her and that's what has defined her entire career. And honestly, I would much rather watch a movie with Jessica than anybody else. <laughs> that's very true. And then we also have... Tara Reid as Vicky when she was still being cast as like good girl next door characters where she's very sweet and very lovely. This is an era of Tara Reid that I really like that I think people forget exists. Oh, Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. think they're used to her being like Tara Reid the mess and the party girl. But it's like, no, between this and like Joe's and the Pussycats, she's a sweetheart. Yeah, I, um, I did a rewatch of Scrubs late last year. And when she's first introduced as like a romantic lead for JD... It's like, oh, hey, she's nice. She's she's a nice girl, but it doesn't work out. And then she comes back later and she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I was lying about who I was because I wanted you to like me. Anyway, I smoke and I like have tons of sex with other dudes and I'm a bro. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a one year difference between when Tara Reid's persona changed. Yeah. <laughs> and our other like main girl that we have in here, uh, we have Mina Savari as Heather. Uh, this is also like a weird place for her. I mean, Mina Savari has a pretty wild career. Um, I mean, American Beauty, obviously, huge deal for her. But, you know, she's in Loser with Jason Biggs, and she's kind of like edgy alt girl. I fucking love that movie. She's also in Sugar and Spice, where she's, you know, the mouthy kind of like white trash girl whose yes. mom's in prison. Yes. And Jason Biggs, if you're listening to this, I like Loser. <laughs> That's my favorite movie you're in. <laughs> But it's it's really interesting because, like, this character is a little bit of some of the roles that she's played, but I far more associate her with being, like, 
edgy cool girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Allison Hannigan eventually does get to kind of break this because she was in Buffy, which was very, very helpful. And then she was in How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. So she has these two really, really big characters that take her from this. But she was the one time at Bandcamp Girl for like five years. Yeah. Like you looked at her and that's what you thought of, um, which I think is kind of sad because I think Allison Hannigan is super fucking talented and mm-hmm. I think she just has been defied by three like major roles and people don't like her playing outside of those three sandboxes. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, she does very well with like kind of what little she's given. It's mostly the one time at band camp and she's just tells these long, not very interesting stories and she only kind of pops up as a real substantial character in the last third of the movie I do love what she, what's what people probably think is a twist for her character, which is like, oh yeah, no, uh, at Bandcamp we're a bunch of fucking horny weirdos and mm-hmm. we have sex, which is not surprising if you were in band or or choir, honestly, where it's the co-ed extracurriculars where you just get in like the, 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 this fraternizing amongst each other that you don't have for like soccer. I mean, and it became a trope in Mean Girls when Janice is giving the the lay of the land after movies like 10 things i hate about you were like here's white rastafarians and cowboys mm-hmm. mean girls is like here's sexually active band geeks yes. which is so clearly a reference to american pie which you're totally right that click i think has always existed just people didn't ever talk about it no i i think prior to this movie you didn't see a lot of depictions of like band kids without them being also like a nerd stereotype and you don't think about nerds fucking yeah, even though they definitely did. Um, and yeah, I was in choir. Choir kids also fucked. Um, but when I think about the band kids, I think about like when I was in college. And it was to the point where there was different phrases for things. Obviously, like, <laughs> so I'm going to say this knowing full well that like it's a very problematic thing. Okay. But uh, there used to be a, like an unwritten rule for the college marching band that you never like fucked or dated somebody in your own section because if you break up it's going to be really messy and it's going to like cause a lot of problems with mm-hmm. within band so it was always like no homosexuality oh. which is really clever but also like that's really anti-gay but it's also super funny so like i don't fucking care it's, it's good wordplay i'm never going to be mad at good wordplay i'm i'm always a fan um they could have just said don't shit where you eat but they had to be clever about it in, in my band it was uh insexual Ooh, insexual. That's way better. Yeah, you don't you don't fuck inside your section. Yeah, that's way better and not homophobic. I like that better. I'm gonna like <laughs> write a little memo to some of my old band people and be like, hey, we missed the boat on this. We should have been calling it insectional. <laughs> that's super funny. <laughs> Thank you. I'm certainly not the one that came up with it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that both of the words that we're coming up with, like there are countless bands across the country that they also used some form of this. Of course. Yeah, either way. But I, I, I do love the idea of this fi- kind of showcasing the band kid to the point where the first American Pie spinoff is American Pie Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I think that that's interesting. Granted, she gets a lot more to do as a character in like the second and third movie. From what I remember, I have not revisited those in just as long as it's been for this one. But yeah, that that's just an interest. I, but that's just a thing that I think is worth noting. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. <laughs> Thank you, American Pie, for band geek representation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, specifically horny band geek representation. <laughs> Oh, it's so ridiculous. 
Um, so, I mean, the the whole lose your virginity before prom night sort of pact that is at the center of this movie is inherently problematic for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's very weird is that revisiting this movie, it feels like such a non-issue because it's been done so many times by movies that came before it and movies that came after it. So, like, I don't even register it as, like, oh, wow, this is shocking and awful because I'm just very desensitized to this sort of a plot at this point. True. I I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, your uncle can go up to the baby and be like, got your nose, and the baby's like, I've never seen that before. What the fuck? And I think that this was, you know, a whole generation of people having not seen this before. Yeah, I think you're right, um, because it's not like people were like, <laughs> American Pie, losing your virginity pact, wow, someone's ripping off little darlings. Like, I, yeah. that conversation didn't fucking happen. None of these, since, well, since because the genre was dead for most mm-hmm. of the 90s, and the 80s wasn't the hotness at the late 90s like it was in the 2000s. And sex comedies aren't exactly the type of movie that parents, like, pass down to their kids through generational cultural sharing. I don't know, there's, there's absolutely some people who are like, what if I show my kid Kentucky Fried Movie? <laughs> Fucking yikes. That's absolutely some parents do that. <laughs> yikes on bikes. Maybe not do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just, it makes sense why this seemed very new and exciting for a lot of people. Because again, like teen movies are time capsule movies. Mm-hmm. And unless somebody is like passing you a time capsule to open, you don't know that it's buried underground. You don't know how to find it. You don't know to even look for it. Sure. And these types of movies are nowhere near as accessible as a John Hughes movie. That's a movie that a parent will pass down to their kids for sure. They're not going to pass them down a movie called Little Darlings. You're not going to have mom sitting you down and be like, you're 11 years old now. Time to watch a movie about two girls that are clearly lesbians trying to fuck Matt Dillon. <laughs> okay, so let's let's use Eugene Levy as an example here. Mm-hmm. He's trying to talk about sex. He's doing a very bad job of it. He's being a, a real Midwest dad about it, even though this is not in the Midwest, but it feels like that. Excruci- I mean, he's the every dad. He is the every dad. Excruciatingly so. So, like, specifically, he's, he's the every white dad. Like, yes. let's be, let's be, use our words correctly here. Fair, um, but that is that. That's the nature of it. As opposed to like teen films that do get passed on, it's not about sex, even if it is about sex. They're about falling in love or, you know, the girl of your dreams or Having the perfect day else. off. <laughs> this is kind of the reverse of that because I think it sets the priorities of what the teen boy zeitgeist is because this was so successful because it captured something. Mm-hmm. Th- this grabbed someone because it's like not that funny, but it was funny enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it, it captured a, a moment, an energy, uh, a, a popular consciousness. And mm-hmm. it did a, apparently a very good job of it. So this is kind of a reverse of what you would see in like girl films where it's like, oh, well, maybe sex will become a thing, but it's about love and dating first. This is about sex and then it eventually becomes about love and dating. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that there is a certain element of care in like, you know, the, the clumsy, messy plot line of like, what if we all just find girls to fuck? Because they go about it in different ways where like, yeah, Oz tries to be manipulative Finch is like lying about his dick size and that he beats people up. Like you have all these these these, these plot points that are kind of loser behavior, but they 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 learn about something greater. Like there, there's something there. Like there's an effort there that you wouldn't get in like road trip. This feels like a much clumsier version of something that we would see in like Super Bad, where. Jonah yep, Hill. You know what? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, Jonah Hill's whole thing is like we could be that mistake. 
kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very weird that I'm going to say this sentence publicly. Superbad handles that situation far better than American Pie does because they were able to learn from the mistakes that this movie yeah, made. Yeah, it's, it's the evolution of the genre across mm-hmm. eight years or whatever. Definitely. Um, so I did want to talk about, you know, those things that it captured that you mentioned, which I think are the set pieces, because those are the things people remember. Those are the moments that get talked about and quoted incessantly Th- those all these the years later. Those would be the things that would be talked about by any talking head VH1 show of, <laughs> hey, remember the 90s? Here's Hal Sparks talking about American <laughs> Pie. <laughs> See, thing is... Even without looking it up, I'm 99% sure that there is probably a clip of Hal Sparks and or Michael Ian Black talking about American Pie from I Love the 90s. And also Mo Rocca and probably 80% of the runtime is built around two scenes in this movie. This is very true. So we talked about the webcam scenario situation. Um, One thing I will give it credit for in that scene, as awful as it is, they were accurate in the frame rate of this of, of the camera. That footage looks like ass. Oh, that real chunky Game Boy camera looking as <laughs> webcam. Yes, which has sound sometimes. Yeah, so like they didn't actually try to make it be like, oh look, it's coming in clean and high def. Like it looks like it really would have looked. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, I'm like, I. I, I like that touch. I like the authenticity. <laughs> yeah, I like that you didn't try to fucking lie and act like it would look like a live stream the way it does now. That's nice. Before live stream was even a term? Yeah, they're live streaming before live streaming's like really a thing. Like we didn't call it that then. I don't yeah. know what we called it, but regardless, we we already talked about that scene. So the next one that I want to talk about, we gotta talk about Stifler's mom. Oh, Stifler's mom. So, first off, hilarious that John Cho is the person who gets to do the MILF line because the term MILF existed before American Pie, but oh, did it take this, off this after this skyrocketed movie. the public understanding of what a MILF is, mm-hmm. which like good good for good for older women. Mm-hmm. Granted, Jennifer Coolidge gets into dicey territory where she's like, "Ah, yes, I like my scotch aged 18 years just like my men." Mm-hmm. And she says it in a very Plain way, because Jennifer Coolidge has not been illegally blonde and developed her Jennifer Coolidge voice yet. Yeah, she doesn't have err yet. Yes, that's not a thing yet. She's just a refined, normal-sounding lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, listen, it's a problem, mm-hmm. but also, that was a very special scene for me growing up. <laughs> oh, yeah? I Is like- this, was this one of the roots that made you go... Oh, I think I like mommy types. I like older women. There, there's also a scene, there's like a flashback in Final Fantasy VII where Cloud's talking to his mom and the mom's like, you know, you should get an older lady. One who will like take care of you because you're an idiot or something like that. And I was like, oh man, I'm I'm an idiot who doesn't know what they're doing. I would love to have someone who knows what the fuck they're doing when I'm like 12 years old. Because I'm lost. I don't know what coming is. <laughs> So this was very special for me. (laughs) You good? (laughs) (laughs) The problem of this being an audio medium is that the listeners can't see that I was doing that like hyperventilating silent (laughs) laugh that happens when you laugh so hard you can't breathe. You're welcome. Uh, No, these, these were important things for me. So you're enjoying yourself? Um... Three sheets to the wind, man. I'm so happy for you. But it takes the edge off, doesn't it? So where's your little date tonight? 
Oh, no, Dave. It was, it was a bathroom incident. Pardon me? Never mind. Do you have anything to drink? I believe the kegs are upstairs. That is what the Cretans drink. I'm talking about alcohol, liquor, the good stuff. All right. I got some scotch. Single malt? Aged 18 years. The way I like it. Why don't you go grab a glass from the bar? I think I should. Okay, so I want to have a discussion about what I'm just going to call the MILF conundrum. So yes, as adults, we can recognize any time a parent is like targeting the friends of their child is dicey and weird. Like, I don't care if you're legally old enough. It's fucking weird. Don't do it. Yes, it's not technically illegal, but that shouldn't be the only reason that's stopping you from doing things. Uh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's adult brain harmony, <laughs> recognizing that. <laughs> yes. But there are two things that happened um, in in the aftermath of kind of this like MILF thing. One of them very bad, one of them very good. So let's talk about the bad thing first so we can get it out of the way. The bad thing is that um, people started getting really weird about other people's moms um, just they just straight up did. Uh, don't tell a random woman that you don't know, like, hey, you're a MILF. That's weird. Don't do not do that. Like, don't use porn terms to refer to human beings that you're just now meeting. Well, it's, the, it's, it's like guys who don't understand that calling women sexy isn't the same thing as calling them beautiful. Y yes. <laughs> like, the, the prominent part of sexy is sex. <laughs> yeah. The, a, a big size, like, the big punctuation at the end of MILF is fuck. <laughs> right. So, like, you know, that's, that's a thing that's, like, not super great. And then also, you know, it then became a definitive word for women, even if they weren't moms. Like, there was just, like, the MILF look. Like, if you looked like a Jennifer Coolidge type, you were a MILF, regardless of whether or not you actually were a mom. You, you um, look like a, a Grecian statue that's been carved <laughs> with, with the child-bearing hips and whatnot. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of a weird thing. We then ended up getting, you know, this this led to a song like Stacy's Mom being able to be written. Um, probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for for the MILF culture kind of exploding out of this. Well, you know what? I think that we're better for it. <laughs> so speaking of being better, like the positive in all of this, though, is that the MILF sort of aesthetic changed the conversation about what was quote unquote acceptable attractiveness. Mm -hmm. And I have obviously mixed feelings about it, but... I do find it very interesting that the the 90s and into the early 2000s very much were in like heroin chic territory where people were trying to be as small Thin as humanly in. possible. Thin was in. Yeah, sure. uh, people were tiny, tiny, like Kate Moss, tiny, tiny. And then suddenly, because men were being validated by expressing their attraction to women who were a bit thicker, who look like they had children, suddenly that opened up a new avenue of which what was considered attractive. I you just like it when there's not a singularity of attraction in the public consciousness. Yes. And also, 
Apparently, there's a. I've been on the internet for a long time. I guess there's a lot of single milfs in my area. Anytime <laughs> I'm anywhere, so that right. that's wild. But like, <laughs> but I like that you mentioned like it's it's no longer a singularity because there very much was a singularity for a very long time. Oh sure. And I would argue that the the blossoming of milf loving is intrinsically tied to sort of the the body positive movement that was making some headway in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be like hashtag real women have curves about it. Like that, I think that that's shitty and I think it's really reductive. Um, it's, it's just a matter of pitting people against each other. Yeah, we don't need to it's like, do these that. These two things can and should coexist together. Agreed. Um, but it was a very exciting time for people who were not small mm-hmm. because suddenly, like, yeah, I did not like being told as like a 15-year-old in 2005 that I was built like a MILF because I was 15 years old. But in a weird way, like in the back of my brain, I was like, wait, no, they think that I'm hot though. Like everything in my life is telling me that I'm awful and gross because I'm bigger. But because I'm built like a MILF, suddenly I'm hot. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. Like, I think that that's a very interesting thing that happened. I think that that's kind of cool. And also, like, I know MILFs led into, like, cougar territory. Some people just like older women, and they do. Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like you're allowed to do that. And, like, it's fucked up and it's weird. But when you have a huge moment like this happen in a movie where suddenly, like, not only is it normalized, but it is actively encouraged – then that stigma goes away. So, like, I guess what I'm saying here is to cancel bigotry, we just have to fetishize everyone in every movie at some point that makes over $250 million. That's that's how we solve bigotry. Per- perfect plan. Perfect plan. No <laughs> way this could backfire. So, so let's actually talk about the other half of this equation uh, in, in the, mil- the MILF situation on this pool table. Uh, let's talk about Finch for a second. Uh, shit brick? Shit brick. I think Finch is a very interesting character in this lineup of boys because he's like a, a satellite of the main three. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the three planets closest to the sun, and he's Mars, which is just a little further away, and then Stifler's like the other side of the asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, just, they're only wait. friends with him so they can use his house for parties. Exactly. They like, fully admit that. Let's, let's keep him far away from us. Um, Finch is such a... Uh, like a like like a snooty indie boy type mm-hmm. that he feels like he should be in a, a different film as like a Rushmore type lead. I agree. I agree with that. Um, it's very very interesting how he sort of fits into their dynamic because as much as these are our protagonists, they all are different flavors of losers. Yeah, I don't really know what Kevin's thing is. Jim's slightly dorkier, and Oz is the sensitive boy who plays lacrosse. I guess that's. Basically, their whole characteristics. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, Eddie K. Thomas is very much defined by this movie. And he's so defined by the character that one of the most recent things that I saw him in was that show Outmatched, which stars Jason Biggs. And he pops up there randomly, as does Allison Hannigan at one point. And it's so clearly like, <laughs> what if we put them... In the same show together. <laughs> and, like, he's there for an episode. We got this Scooby gang together. Right. Exactly. Um, so, speaking of Finch, though, he's also at the center of another massive set piece in this movie. 
The dookie? Which is the dookie, which is the laxative and shitting in the girl's room. Why was this such a thing in this time period? Like, I know, like, the the universal statement of, like, farts are always funny because they are always funny. But, like, the late 90s, early 2000s loved a shit scene. Yeah. um, Detroit Rock City has the one where they accidentally break that urinal in the girl's room. Uh, Harold and Kumar has battle shits. The new guy has the shitting principal who is also in other things and is Juliette Lewis's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was just real lowest common denominator humor. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't have to try very hard. But I guess the thing with the Finch plotline in this is it's just kind of like, why? <laughs> it feels like the most bingo card entry in this movie. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh. Um, I don't know. He said he beat Stifler up, so Stifler wants revenge, and now Finch isn't going to get a date. I, I get how we got there. I get the point it serves, but the way we get there is just fine. Mm-hmm. It's it's why, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's. I've seen better poop scenes. Maybe that's why it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Maybe that's why it doesn't do something for me. Yeah. It's, it's very weird in the sense that, like, I know why Finch exists because we have to have somebody fuck Stifler's mom. Like, that has to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, like... I know this might be blasphemy. I feel like Oz and Finch could have been combined into one character. That does mean that we would have lost Mina Savari, who I love. Or maybe she could have still been there and then, like, rejects him. Who knows? And that's how he ends up with Stifler's mom. But it very much feels like there's just one character too many in this in this mix. Does that make sense? No, I get it. Um, honestly, I think Kevin's the least interesting one. What, what's Kevin's thing? Because from the looks of it, it's just that he's with Tara Reed. Yeah. I mean, I guess you need him because you need to be able to have the representation for, like, the guy with the girlfriend. And he, here's one thing that I will say about Kevin and Vicky. I like their ending the best of anybody's because they still have sex, because it means something to them at the time that they're doing it, but they go their separate ways. And I think that is a really important thing for teenagers to see that like, you don't have to stay with the first person you fuck. Like it's very normal and extremely common. And honestly, probably should be encouraged that you don't marry the person you lose your virginity to. They're like, they're going to different colleges. They're going to be doing different things. They're going to be doing different lives. That doesn't mean that they have to hold back and like not have meaningful sex and like be able to be each other's first and like have that memory but it also doesn't mean they have to stay together. And I think that's great. I think that's a wonderful message. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's probably one of the better written things in the whole movie. I guess I'm just stuck on like, what's Kevin's character? Because everyone else is so easily defined. He's he's the, the guy with the girlfriend. That's yeah, who that is. Exactly. It's just everyone else is such a one note, like clown of a character. That the fact that he's not makes him stand out. You know what I mean? And I think that that makes a lot of sense in my brain because I also think that's how a lot of like stereotypical male friend groups view their one friend who does have a girlfriend. He's the guy with the girlfriend. It's like, oh, this is the married guy. Like, yeah. it's the high school version of that. No, no, that makes total sense, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and this one time at band camp, I stuck a flute in my pussy. <coughs> Excuse me? What? You don't think I know how to get myself off? Hell, that's what half of band camp is, sex ed. So are we gonna screw soon? Cause I'm getting kind of antsy. Now, I have two rubbers, wear them both. It'll desensitize you. I don't want you coming so damn early this time. 
when it comes to condoms, put two on. In case you hadn't heard this one, no, don't do that. Man, we really just have our uh, our adult people hats on and are really, really thinking about this movie that does not need to be thought that hard about, huh? I mean, it really doesn't. Um, but, you know, ultimately, like, they they do have their, their sex. We get the... We get the flute and the pussy. We find out that she's a kinkster. Love that. I also love that it's a one night stand and mm-hmm. she's very much in control. She's like, yeah, no, I watched you on the internet. I knew it's a f- sure thing. That's why I said yes. Yeah. Love that for her. He's the booty call. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think yep. that's a very nice subversion. Um, you know, we get the the romantic couple having sex for the first time. Uh, we have Oz and Heather. They have they have the best like ambiance ambiance of their experience on the pier or whatever yeah their conflict is always weird to me it also always weirdly feels a little high school musical junior to me but like not as well thought out so i really Mm -hmm. don't care and then of course like stifler's mom most memorable thing in the world i mean then there's just stifler and he's just a dick stifler's just an ass the whole movie and the unfortunate thing is like that sort of character became a hero for a lot of people because yeah people suck and they took the wrong thing from it. BJ, he redeems himself in the wedding movie where he dances with gay guys. Oh, he's a boy. hero. Congratulations on being human being to other people. Wow. Yeah, but like Stifler's a jerk, but it's okay that he's a jerk. You know why? He drinks cum beer. He does drink cum beer. Yeah, like sure, he'll have sex with girls and lie to their face that he's not going to tell all of his friends about it, but he gets his comeuppance by drinking cum beer. Oh, Goodness. Yeah. He drank a thing that I drink voluntarily. Beer? No. You don't even like beer. I don't like beer. I like the other half. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so so there's there's really not much to dive into much deeper in this movie and in the plot because like Twilight, the most interesting thing about American Pie is not actually what happens. It's the response to American Pie. Similar to Twilight, I also... Really had to try to pay attention to this one. (laughs) So there was an article uh, in The Guardian uh, in 2019 called American Pie at 20, Why the Raucous Comedy Could Never Be Made Today. And here's what's interesting is like, that's a great header because everybody's always like, movies like Blazing Saddles could never be made today. Shut the fuck up. It's the laziest not good example. It's such a dumb example. And also like, yes, they could. But in this article, they, so... They could never make Blazing Saddles again, even though they made Blazing Samurai this year. Right. What is it like? <laughs> my brain wants to call it Pause of Fury. I think it became Pause of Fury, yeah. but it was the working title of Blazing Samurai for a while. Yeah. And they could never make it again today, except they did. Except they did, and it's animated, <laughs> and for children. Oh, yeah, I hear it's not great. I, I can't imagine it was. It sat on a shelf for how many years? Yeah. Um, so in this article, though, they say, like, you know, this movie can never be made. But then in the second paragraph, they go, and yet 20 years later, American Pie is being made all the time. It's being made in the 40-year-old virgin, in Superbad, in Neighbors, even in Booksmart, in the constant flow of cringe-inducing comedies about love and friendship among the sexually inexperienced. The films have evolved with the culture and, frankly, a healthy shift in the rules of engagement, but they're part of a long continuum of teen or man-child sex romps that deal in humiliating rites of passage. For male viewers especially, it's a perverse form of escapism. They can recognize how awkward and embarrassing those first sexual encounters tend to be, but hey, at least they didn't liken a woman's breast to bags of sand or get caught dipping their wick into a warm apple pie. 
1999, American Pie was at the end of one phase and the beginning of another, Mm -hmm. which is why it both seems dated and prescient. A relic from a randier era of cable-ready frat house and gross-out comedies and a look ahead to a sweeter brand of raunch rooted in deep friendships and the possibility of a more mature, longer-lasting romance. At the time, the Fairley Brothers hits Kingpin and There's Something About Mary were sparking a can-you-top-this-cycle-of-R-rated comedies Mm -hmm. that carried into the early 2000s, with titles now either forgotten, Say It Ain't So, Slackers, Waiting, Hey, I Did Not Forget. Love Waiting. Or Not Worth Remembering, Scary Movie, National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Uh, and they say critics were divided on American Pie's contributions to the trend, the infamous pie, the semen in the beer cup, the macchiato spiked with laxatives, but they were by no means the lowest of the low. And these set pieces were just the draw, just as they were earlier with There's Something About Mary with the hair gel scene and the zipper scene were shorthand hooks that brought people to the theaters, regardless of the actual premise. The film also worked in the post-Animal House tradition of boys behaving badly, specifically Porky's, which is also about nerdy high school students who make a pact to lose their virginity. The webcam in American Pie was merely a tech update on the locker room peephole that Porky's plastered on its poster. See, I called it. And both (laughs) films are fully prepared to deliver the voyeuristic kick they promised. There would be nudity, and with American Pie, an unrated home video version that suggested but didn't deliver material that was too hot for the MPAA. So, I, I hope this is the film that popularized the unrated DVD release of the 2000s. It probably, if it's not the one that popularized it, it definitely helped. Because I think about all of the sex comedies that came after, things like Sex Drive, for example. And that was also a big selling point of the home video release is that it was too hot for what was in theaters. Yeah, and the unrated ones are usually just longer and scenes. And bad. They're just yeah. scenes that absolutely... It kills the tempo. <laughs> yeah, they should have been cut for a reason because yeah. they drag. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I like the most about what that Guardian article has to say is that this movie did, though, kind of start the trend of the sex comedies being less about sex and more about friendship because mm-hmm. you do get that little glimmer of it at the end after prom where they are all kind of meeting up and talking about what they did the night before and like how things are. And it's the most mature that they are in the entire movie. It's the most human. As it should be. It's when we see their friendship and I go, I believe these people as friends. They, I mean, they even dig on, on Stifler together. They're like, why are we even friends with that guy? Yeah. I <laughs> like mean, even Oz who also got laid is just like, no, we just, I'm not, I'm not going to even disclose it. And they're like, don't worry, man, you'll get there someday. And he's got this mature thing where he doesn't even need to brag about it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be like a douchey jock like Stifler on his lacrosse team. Right. So and like they do mature. Like there's these little moments. Yeah. But this is the difference between cinema catered towards like boys versus girls in like the teen sphere is that there's little bits, but we just don't treat boys with like the same gravitas that we do teen girl storytelling. Mm -hmm. No, we definitely do not. And the biggest crime that American Pie has against it is not even anything that's in the movie. It's just, as is the case with a lot of the movies we talk about in our Sadie Hawkins Dance episodes, it's that the culture took the wrong thing from these movies. They took the set pieces and ran with them and treated people terribly. They took the idea of losing your virginity before prom and turned it into a rite of passage and something that a lot of boys pursued. Like, that's gross in a lot of ways. And, like, on one hand, it's like, well, the movie can't be blamed for the actions of the people watching it and being 
media illiterate. It's not the movie's fault. This movie didn't know it was going to be that successful. It, exactly. The movie did not know that it was going to be that successful. And also, even bigger, we weren't having these mature enough conversations in 1999 to recognize how problematic this movie is. I mean, we're not having these discussions about American Pie in general outside of this podcast, probably. No, I don't think a lot of people are like really thinking about it outside of, you know, maybe a couple of years ago when it turned 20, they were looking back at it. So in that Guardian article, they say that American Pie emphasizes the camaraderie of the group and the harmless good nature of its members who maybe aren't in the category of regrettable lovers after all. But it gives so little thought to the opposite sex who are either brazenly lusty or careful gatekeepers of their own chastity, like waiting for an I love you or some other show of sensitivity, like a password at a speakeasy. Women seem as inexplicable to the filmmakers themselves as they are to the characters, and that's been an unfortunate part of the continuum of teen sex comedies too, long before American Pie and well past it. And I think ultimately like that's really... That's really the problem with American Pie is that like this movie is so central to like the boy experience, good and bad, mm-hmm. that like women, like they're just not people in this movie. Their their concepts, their ideas, uh, their their stand-ins for for other things, they I'm, just they I mean, just don't exist. That's like totally true. And an observation that I even had about that is that the girls that they're actually like wooing the girls that they eventually end up having sex with from like a filming aspect they're not filmed in a state of undress really they're not sexualized in the same way that Shannon Elizabeth is because it 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 casts this weird shadow over the movie to me which is like oh no these are the girls you actually want to sleep with like these are people mm-hmm. these are these these this is a sweet girl with like feelings and this is going to be a special moment as opposed to like Hey, look at this girl with her tits out. She's just like this slut that everyone can see. Mm-hmm. That that's the feeling that I had watching it and seeing how like the different women are portrayed in this movie. And that brings me to a really unfortunate part of this film's legacy. Do you know about American Pie Presents Girls Rule? No, but I have a bad feeling about it. So, uh, American Pie Presents Girls Rules um came out in 2020. <laughs> what? Uh, I want to say it went to Netflix. I think it was direct to DVD and then Netflix picked it up. I don't, that that would make sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it is the first film in the franchise to neither feature Eugene Levy or any nudity. Okay. Probably because Eugene Levy is now, you know, doing Schitt's Creek and is like, I don't need this shit anymore. (laughs) His career has given away to good taste because he doesn't need the paycheck anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Good for him. It is the first American Pie film that is very much like, this is a girl sex comedy. Sure. Do you think it was directed by a woman? Probably not. Sure wasn't. Do you Uh, think it was written by a woman? Probably not. Absolutely was not. It was written by two men. It was directed by a man. Um, It's about Stifler's cousin Stephanie and her friends. Gotta keep it in the family. Bandcamp was about his brother. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's just terrible. And I'm going to quote a critic on this. Um, Robin Baer of The Hollywood Reporter. I quite like Robin's writing. Um, But Robin wrote, Dashed together by a male director, two male screenwriters, and a half-male producing team, the film appears to be the cinematic equivalent of two straight girls making out at a party for some bro's attention. Uh, Teo Bugby of The New York Times said, The original American Pie was tasteless. This version is flavorless. You can make American Pie today, but why would you? But why would you, is the thing. And also... 
when they tried to do it with girls to try to like I don't know like reset the 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 frame because let's even the odds let's even the odds because like this franchise has such a terrible reputation they still fucked it up and like they still made it bad because it was a movie that again like didn't treat women like they were people they tra- treated them like they were concepts or mm-hmm. ideas and they wrote about the idea of women and it didn't work like it was women through the gaze and through the lens of men and it didn't fucking work and that's why movies like Booksmart are really fucking important because you allow the 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 teen sex comedy angle to not feel like a weird, gross, exploitive thing. And like, I say that as somebody who loves and appreciates exploitation, but there's a way to do it. And these movies don't do it. Well, that's because they're not trying to. That They're not. No, they're just, not. Just call it what it is. Yeah. Like, this is not trying to be little darlings. This is trying to be porkies, but like mm-hmm. with a little bit more heart. This was not meant to, for deep thinking. This was Mm-mm. for maybe like carnal lust to get you in the door and then maybe you'll think about what that feeling means to you a little bit more, but probably not because mm-hmm. most people walked away only remembering the raunchy moments. Yes. So and th- it did exactly what it tried to do. And there's also the important question as well, which I know you and I have these discussions a lot with a little bit more prestige movies, but... Do you think that we would be this harsh or critical of American Pie if it did not make money? I don't think we would be talking about it. I think you're right. I think it would it would have just been It would have forgotten. been relegated to the Sadie Hawkins dance like every other teen boy movie that we end up covering. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. So, Harmony, the question remains. American Pie is asking you to the prom, which means you know what you got to do on prom night. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe, or are you buying them a ticket so they can go on their own? So over on the Patreon, we've done 50-some teen boy movies up to this point. And the main takeaway that I have kind of had from doing enough of those is that generally you can you can tell what a teen boy movie is going to offer based on how it would be described. Uh, a coming-of-age movie? Odds are probably going to be pretty good. A sex comedy? Odds are it will be pretty bad. <laughs> there There are outliers to these, but like... Those are those are some safe bets if you were to categorize those two. And this is not a coming of age movie. I mean, it is a name, but like that is it's that not. is pretty well in the back seat, mm-hmm. getting down and dirty <laughs> while sex comedy drives it around. Um, so I'm gonna say no. I, I I was I had to struggle really hard to pay attention to this movie because I just I had these feelings of like, oh, I know what American Pie is, and like, sure, it didn't live to my expectations. It was it was better than I remember. But it doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't mean anybody needs to be revisiting this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this can just be thought of as just like a, a landmark for legacy more than content. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and for what it's worth, if we were to cover this on the Sadie Hawkins dance, I wouldn't take it to the Sadie Hawkins dance either. Good to know. So we're in agreement. <laughs> well, friends, that takes us out on our first episode of 2023. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Sunset Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. As always, biggest thank you in the world to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. I, I'm terrified to ask this question, but what band would you like people to check out this week inspired by American Pie? Dude, it's a zinger. 
So the band I'm shouting out this week is the Puddle Ducks. What a great name. <laughs> it is. Uh, they're, they're with their EP Sneaking Out. And they are, they're, they're a pop rock band, more akin to like Harvey Danger from the American Pie soundtrack than like Blink-182. Firmly in the rock, less in the pop punk. Uh, And the reason I selected them is because they have a song. uh, I jammed to it for quite a bit last year called Milf Song. Oh, of course. That's how we got here. I mean, the whole EP is solid, but that's really the standout track. And it's sung by a guy, and it's about how Milf is just a state of mind. (laughs) I actually love this. I might adopt that for my life. It's phenomenal. Eventually, it becomes like, Dilf is a state of mind, and when I'm old, I'm going to be a gilf. Like, it's it's a comedy song, but, like, it's got heart and it's got chops. I'm a big fan. Well, it's also got, like, a bit of a honky-tonk boogie, so I'm, like, down with that, too. I mean, as somebody who definitely has a coffee mug that says New Mommy on it, this speaks to me on a very personal level, and I like it a lot. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> that, that's the standout, but I also do really like the song's new obsession and the title track of Sneaking Out on this EP. Um, this is just a band to, to watch out for. Honestly, I think that they know how to have a good time. I hope they do more stuff like Milf Song because I am a huge fan. Awesome. It, I it love reminds that. me of like Sloppy Boys, and I'm a big fan of the Sloppy Boys. <laughs> Amazing. All right, friends, that takes us out, and we will see you next week. As always, save that last dance for us, and goodbye. Bye. Hey, wait a second. Are you that guy that fucked the pie? You see, man? You see? It's never, it's never, hey, hey, you were a loser, weren't you? Or dude, you rocked in Boys and Girls. No, it always comes back to that fucking pie. Haunted by it. You put your dick in a pie. Enough. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.